I'm Ellie. And I'm Libby. And this is Into the Murphyverse. <laughs> Sorry, let's do that again. I didn't highlight that part. <laughs> I'm Ellie. And I'm Libby. And this is Into the Murphyverse, a podcast where we dive into the TV made by one of the most powerful, most successful, most ambitious men in modern television, Ryan Murphy. If you've ever seen Glee, American Horror Story, Pose, Scream Queens, American Crime Story, The Politician, Hollywood, Ratchet, this show's for you. So on this first episode here, we're starting at the beginning. Some might say the beginning would be nip tuck, but we are 25 and 21 years old. So for us, the beginning is 2009. The beginning is Glee. And we're calling this episode the Glee Disaster. Apologies to all the hardcore Gleeks out there, um, but I think we can all agree that this show has seen its fair share of disasters. We're going to get into just exactly what makes Glee disastrous. The resurgence of Glee in pop culture, especially on TikTok, what defines satire, and if Glee falls into this realm, and go behind the scenes a bit into the toxic work environment that created this show. Finally, we'll round out with a bit of discussion about Glee's more redeeming qualities. What about Glee wasn't disastrous? But before we begin, if you'd be so kind to give us a follow or a rating wherever you listen, that would be great. All right, let's dive into the Murphyverse. So we've established that Glee was or is a disaster. Right. I, I I'd say, say so. yeah, and I'd say there are a couple things that make it a disaster. Um, right off the bat, I just think of representation. Uh, Agreed. <laughs> I think, you know, for 2009, we saw a lot of people on screen that a lot of other shows weren't showing. Um, so that, I guess, was maybe a good thing for 2009. But then the way they handled those characters uh, wasn't really graceful. I think the main problem is that they just went for quantity instead of quality. They tried to cover the whole scope and handled each one pretty terribly. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd say they pretty much stuck to stereotypes in terms of right. like diversity. And then, of course, you have Will Schuster's famous quote, you know, we're in the Glee Club, we're all minorities. Mm, okay, Will. Right. And I think um, when you say stereotypes, that may have been the intention at first. Like, we're going to create a typical high school scene with all of these stereotypical characters, a little mi- more diverse than we had seen before. Um, but then... The problem is that everyone started taking it seriously. And so the show took itself seriously. And so all these stereotypes became like real characters that we were supposed to have a lot of compassion for and be very invested in. And, you know, things just went downhill from there. That's very true. Yeah. Because I think part of the like fun part, okay, we're, yeah, please a disaster, whatever. But if we can take a moment to realize what was maybe a little fun about it was maybe early in season one, when it wasn't so full of itself yet. And it was just kind of like a stupid show that like made you laugh. But then it, you're right, Ryan Murphy probably started taking himself and others too seriously. Yeah, I think that's a main issue here. Let's talk about why Glee has been a popular debate in discourse lately. And I think that is because of the cringe factor, because Gen Z 
loves anything cringe and loves to criticize anything cringe. That is true. I'd say I'm on the Gen Z and millennial cusp. So maybe I yeah. have my, my, um, my hands in both pots. Is that the saying? <laughs> I don't know, but it I sounds right. in both pots of boiling water. I have <laughs> both of my hands in one pot, but only I'm right on the edge, I would say, of Gen Z. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, so, so if Gen Z loves making fun of anything cringy and Glee is definitely cringy, they're going to make fun of Glee. Yeah. Here's the thing, why not? I'll, I'll, t- I'll put my millennial hat on for a second and say, <laughs> um, do they have a right to do, does Gen Z have a right to make fun of Glee when they were like, you know, seven years old in 2009? Um, yes, because as a fellow, I would say it was probably 10 to 12 when I watched Glee. Um, a youngster. In, seriously, a youngster. <laughs> and I watched many episodes on your iPod Nano. Green iPod Nano. Yeah. Screen was this big. Right. And at the time, I didn't think it was cringy. But when you rewatch something, I think you're allowed to criticize it with this with your current brain and not just your seven year old brain. So, okay, I think that's probably I just have to, you know, ask the hard hitting questions. (laughs) You have to put on your millennial hat, which is like a (laughs) wide brimmed Coachella. (laughs) my christian christian girl fall hat exactly (laughs) um and also i guess it's also really easy to you know have the platform be tiktok where people are making fun of glee because it lends itself to kind of the audio video lip syncing music side of things so yeah it's yeah and throw that in there also short clips taken out of context yeah we're like how did Glee have the audacity to do something this offensive when in reality, like that was sort of the joke is how crazy it was. And sometimes that wasn't the joke. Sometimes they were very sincere and still did things incredibly cringily, but. Yeah. Um, It makes me think like, like was the goal, I mean, I guess we'll never know, but was Ryan Murphy's goal to make Will Schuster truly like the worst character TV has ever seen or was his goal to make him likable and he just failed at it? I have no idea. I guess because in the very first episode, he blackmails Finn into joining the Glee Club by planting drugs in his locker, I think. Yeah. So I don't think he's set out with the intention of making this very sympathetic character. But he certainly right. eventually got there where he wanted everyone to sympathize. Yeah. Definitely. We should also give a caveat that we are blaming everything on Ryan Murphy in (laughs) probably all of these episodes, when in reality, there is a whole team of writers. Um, But we don't know who those people are. So we're just going to stick with. Yeah, it's not like the show has like an opening, like, like credit sequence or an end credit sequence set to acapella that tells you who all those writers are. Right. And we're not going on IMDb. Um, because right. they're owned by Amazon, we we just don't support Jeff Bezos. Right. We don't like to do research. We just like to present our yeah. opinions as fact. So exactly. Ryan Murphy was the only person behind this show. Right. <laughs> Perfect. Well said. <laughs> um, I would like to just, okay, in, ta- in talking about like moments that um, maybe we see as cringy now and 
moments where Glee decided to take itself more seriously. Um, I think of the pamphlets that were in Emma's office. <laughs> um, you know, we got some great shots of those pamphlets that oh, said like, really good. why is their hair down there? Like, my parents are getting a divorce. What do I do? Like, all of those things <laughs> lined up right in a row and the camera would just show it and then back out. And that was like, okay, hilarious. Like a high school kind of making fun of what it's like to be in high school. And then suddenly seasons in, everyone decided to take themselves more seriously. And that was just kind of cringy. Yeah. I think Emma is a great example of that progression though, because in the beginning seasons, she, I remember her listing um, in the Britney Spears episode, which is one of the two episodes you had on your iPod Nano, which is why yeah. I knew the other, so well. The other, what was the other episode? Why Madonna. Oh, duh. Okay, I get those yeah. up in my head. Yeah. But she's Hashtag like, Britney. you know, exactly. <laughs> but she's like, um, girls have so few role models these days. And she lists like the craziest people. She lists like Ann Coulter, which obviously passed right over my head as an 11 year old. But now I think it's hilarious. <laughs> She was just so funny, even though they were sort of making light of her OCD and using that as a plot point. But then eventually she just got so serious and you're really supposed to like be invested in her relationship with Mr. Shu. And yeah. 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 Insanity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The whole and then Shu's wife's fake pregnancy. I remember thinking. Oh, oh scandalous. Yes. Like, talk about unlikable. Damn. Yeah. And I was concerned about hysterical pre pregnancies for a while after watching that. Yeah. It's like, am I going to have one? <laughs> At age 12? <laughs> that happened to me. Maybe a yeah. pamphlet in Emma's office could help me with that. But Okay, so this might be something that you know more about than I do in terms of going behind the scenes of Glee and the very toxic work environment that was happening and taking place. I mean, now we know that it's we've lost three cast members um and it's kind of crazy to think they were all on the same show and now they are not alive anymore it, that's really sad and people talk about the glee curse which i think is a little insensitive to yeah. especially two of those people's struggles the third i don't have much sympathy for right um, <laughs> but but i think extending beyond the actual deaths there were backup were there dancers or backup singers? I'm not exactly sure who they were. Or extras um, who came out against Leah Michelle for racist and just exclusionary comments. And then Amber Riley backed them up. Who Amber Riley plays Mercedes, which I think was the first main scandal that Glee had that made people think like, okay, something actually was going wrong there. It's not just our perception or things being cringy, um, which is interesting. That's really yeah. interesting. And then you also have Kevin McHale and Jenna Ushkowitz, who I feel like have maybe like emerged as like the most normal people who've been on Glee and are now kind of leading relatively normal lives. I know they've been on a couple podcasts recently and they are not afraid to kind of throw shade at their experience on Glee, um, which has been interesting to listen to. Yeah, definitely. And I've also, they play Artie and Tina, for those yes. of you who don't know, and they are great friends, and they are not, I think because they're sort of in other industries now, because um, 
Kevin does music. He's not really an actor anymore, I don't think. Um, they feel a little bit more open to share their experiences, which has been very interesting to hear. And I also think the toxic work environment, um, one thing I've, is weird because one thing I've learned about Ryan Murphy and his process is the reason he keeps the same cast and the same crew so often is because everyone works really well together and because it creates a good work environment. And it's so strange to think of his first major, at least major in our sense of it, mm-hmm. um, was so toxic. Yeah. yeah. Like what changed? Hmm. Yeah. And he, I know maybe he, he has, learned from it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he did. Um, Chris Colfer, who plays Kurt, now like king. has a <laughs> king has like a children's book or no yeah. not a children's book like a young adult novel mm-hmm. and he also has a children's book um out there writing uh you got the actress who plays Brittany um mm. doing tiktok dances uh in her own right yeah um, heather morris i think she said something like like anti-vax at some point or something oh good that's good i don't know she may have taken it back though she she's a mother you got i mean you got jane lynch who's (laughs) you know we all know her best from glee in my mind she's never been in anything else (laughs) yeah she's also been on broadway she played miss hannigan in annie in the annie revival she's very talented and we stand we do stand, and we want that on record I would say we both agree that Sue Sylvester is the number one character on Glee and all of her lines are solid gold, even the ones that are just outrageously offensive because those seem the most self-aware. Absolutely. They're not trying to make Sue Sylvester seem like a normal, well-adjusted character. Yeah. And it's so funny to think when I was watching Britney versus Britney or whatever that episode was called yeah. on my mint green iPod Nano. I thought Sue Sylvester was truly the devil and that everybody else on Glee was <laughs> the best character I'd ever seen. Exactly. <laughs> now my thought is completely reversed, maybe because I have more insight. Um, but she's truly has a heart of gold. And I think her, her stone cold butchness really just is a mask for her insecurities about being vulnerable, about maybe being feminine, about her um, sister. Um, right. There's a lot going on there that she's just really, I think, maybe the anti-hero. Yeah. And I think if Ryan Murphy wants to follow his pattern of creating origin stories for anti-heroes, uh, like Nurse Ratchet, for example... Maybe he should do that with Sue Sylvester and make it a comedy. That I, would be good. Hey, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Coming 2023. <laughs> Sue Sylvester. Her Played origin. by current Jane Lynch with like age filters. <laughs> exactly. I think that's great. I think Netflix should contact us. Oh my God. Oh my God. Poor Shelby. Now we head into the Sarah Paulson Corner, which is a segment of our podcast where we discuss all things Sarah Paulson. You might think, hmm, we're discussing Glee. Sarah Paulson was not in Glee. And you'd be correct. However, according to an article from Elle magazine, Sarah Paulson was offered the role of Emma by Ryan Murphy and declined 
which caused a rift between the two. Isn't that interesting? That is so interesting. And I had never known that. Yeah, because she was doing a play at the time on Broadway. And she was very dedicated to that and didn't really want to give that up. Um, Why not? Why not give up Broadway for um, (laughs) FX series? Hello. Uh, I think she might have a little bit of integrity. (laughs) Um, And a quote, I must have been snippy for like six months. That's a Ryan Murphy quote. So oh, that caused he was a little snippy about about the whole situation. Yeah, yeah, he was not happy about her declining this role. Um, so I think that's really interesting. I think we dodged a huge bullet mm-hmm. because Sarah Paulson really had her emergence into the world of fame past Glee, mm-hmm. and I think that really worked out for her. And had she been on Glee, she might have been a part of the Glee curse of toxic work environments and all that and I don't I don't like to think about that I mean what if she wasn't with Holland Taylor now like I think I've probably derived two-thirds of my happiness on a day-to-day basis through that relationship so yeah I'd definitely be a very different person yeah yeah what if she didn't play Marsha Clark she would never have gotten her Emmy she would have never worn that like green dress yeah that she said she got inspiration from from B. Arthur she would never have those Instagram lives where she doesn't have eyebrows because she's now playing Linda Tripp. Linda Tripp. American Crime Story. It could. This is like Twilight Zone. Like, what would the timeline have been if Sarah Paulson had played Emma? If she had to do the touch a touch a touch me scene with Matthew Morrison, I may not be around today. Yeah, I probably, yeah, I would be a different person. That's for sure. Good points made. Thank you. Well, this has been the Sarah Paulson Corner. Thank God for you. Thank God for you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So as I've said now, maybe two or three times, um, yes, I did watch Glee on my mid green iPod Nano. (laughs) Um, We weren't really, I feel like we were maybe too young to watch it for real. Like, yeah, I wasn't allowed. I had to watch it in secret. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I only had two, I, my budget could really only afford two shows on iTunes. Um, <laughs> so I had the Madonna episode on my iPod Nano, as well as the Britney episode. I think to this day, my favorite episodes are the ones that kind of just have all the songs from the same artist. Hello, the Billy Joel episode. I recently watched that. So good. It's like much later. It's when like they're going into college and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, equally cringy, but I loved those episodes and like to this day um glee was the my introduction to who madonna was and her music and to Me who too. britney spears was pretty much and her music um, yeah i thought borderline and open your heart were the same song mm-hmm. is that what it's called open your heart yeah 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 and turns out it was just a mashup and when i heard yeah. them in real life for the first time i was like this isn't how this goes and then i realized oh that was madonna was wrong it's actually leah michelle who was right about this i think i mean i remember going to like uh like our high school's cabaret night and i would know maybe half the broadway songs they were singing because of glee yeah i agree it was a way to open up a whole new generation to all these classic songs whether those are rock or pop or Broadway, I think it's, they're great. And they did such great renditions and such great mashups. And I do not want to hate on that because they're truly amazing. And I think we can agree 
on what our favorite rendition of a song is. And that is the mashup of Happy Days slash Get Happy, mm-hmm. sung originally by Barbara Streisand and Judy Garland, mm-hmm. renditioned by <laughs> Kurt Hummel and <laughs> Rachel Berry. <laughs> and I remember watching that and being like, why the hell are they wearing silver yeah. costumes? Like, And it's because that? they designed them directly off of the costumes that Barbara and uh judy were wearing Mm -hmm. which is why i love watching glee sometimes okay sometimes i love watching glee now because i realized so much of that stuff went over my head when i watched it the first time like wouldn't have Mm -hmm. done that and i think the the dedication they had to the actual music is evident in how many cameos they had from christian chenoweth Idina Menzel, also known as Adele Dazim. Um, Stevie Nicks didn't have a cameo, but she came on set and said she would never forget her day on Glee, which I don't, that could mean good or bad, I guess. We'll insert that clip here. I think this is really going to go down in my life as one of my best days. So on my last day on this earth, there are a few things I will think of, and I will definitely think about my day at Glee. She does sort of like she's been, she's looks like she's being held at gunpoint in that video, but yeah, I assume she wasn't. We got Carol Burnett. Why? Yeah. And as two people who went to college in Ohio, that it's very dear to our heart that she sung. Yeah. And that she was a Nazi hunter. I think that's the funniest backstory that you, (laughs) you could ever have for Sue Sylvester's parents. So good. So good. So there were definitely a lot of things we appreciated about Glee. We're not just haters. Haters back off. Um, we love the music. We love the cameos, the weird references and jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have to admit that it was sort of a disaster. Thank you so much for listening to Into the Murphyverse. If you enjoyed this episode, please do give us a follow or a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us next time where we'll be talking a bit more about job security and the people that Ryan Murphy keeps by his side for nearly every show he creates. Ahem, Sarah Paulson. Nice. Oh, get your trouble. Happy days. So long, get happy. Are here again. You better taste I can't I don't have Judy's range. <laughs>